This is the one with nice warriors. A reverse Brexit. A one-eyed trouser snake. A head in a box. And the son of the second doctor. It's called The Curse of Peladon. Here we go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalaput, and the Cybertronic race. Suntarans look like taters and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal road. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be? Than who back when? Who back when? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to C061 of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. Yeah. <laughs> every time, every time. That other angelic voice you hear is Ponkin. Say hello. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> <laughs> hello, podcast land. And I'm Nicola Ailey. Hey, Nick. How you doing? <laughs> so, yeah, as, you, as you've already heard, we're, we're reviewing The Curse of Peladon, which we've been waiting to for ages. Yes, this is a legendary one. This is one that I, mean, the, that I had heard the title even before we started this podcast. Which, in my head, means that I've I've basically made this serial like a bunch of times. I made like, what is the curse of Peladon? What is Peladon? What is like you know? Is that a person that's cursed? Is the curse like a you know some generational thing? Like yeah. all these thoughts. Who's Peladon? Now, what is Peladon? Where is Peladon? Exactly. Yeah. How are they cursed? And there's another. There's a sequel to this serial as well, which may also have reinforced just the popularity of this title. There's I want to say the Monster of Peladon. That might be right. next season Ooh. coming up, dude. Right. With, <laughs> oh, I guess without any further ado, then we should get in a bite-sized chunk of who. Let's do that. Time for us to synopsize, lubify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free-for-all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Having sort of repaired the TARDIS, the third Doctor and his companion Joe Grant embark on a journey to the planet of Peladon in the year 3885. There, King Peladon is just about to join the European Union, aka the Galactic Federation, and has been joined by delegates from all around the cosmos. Posing as the delegates from Earth, Doc and Joe join the diplomatic talks when suddenly the legendary Curse of Peladon seems to become a reality. A horned beast is attacking members of the court and threatening the delegates thus throwing the Peladon's admission into the Galactic Federation into jeopardy. Hilarity, Hilarity ensues. Bees go over. You are welcome. Aren't you just? <laughs> Holy smokes. Holy smokes and cheesecakes. Where do you want to start? I know where I want to start. Where do you want to start? I know where I want to start. Where do you want to start? I'm going to start with your inevitable question. <laughs> okay. What did you think of Skipper the Eye Child? <laughs> <laughs> What did you think? Wow. Skipper the Eye Child, the, I mean, Alpha Centauri, mm. the delegate from Alpha Centauri. Well, no, no, okay, here's the thing. Real quick. <laughs> that was confusing for me. Okay. Are they the delegate from Alpha Centauri? Whose name is also Alpha Centauri. Alpha Centauri. That <laughs> <laughs> gets confusing. <laughs> uh, like, back in, Alpha, or back in the Alpha Centauri system, is everyone just called Alpha Centauri? Very possibly. I mean, very possibly. I don't know, man. They just lose their shit. Don't when, look like, at me. I don't know. When, Pro- when Proxima Centauri turns up to the cookout. Like, wait. <laughs> we didn't sign up for this. <laughs> we didn't sign up for this. Oh, God, the voice. So, it, Skipper the Eye Child. First off, we very recently saw Skipper the Eye Child on Doctor Who in New Who. In... Queen of Mars. Yeah. Is it called Queen of Mars? Yeah, it's Queen of Mars. The, um... With uh, Capaldi. Bing bong, future punk in here. That would be Empress of Mars, not Queen of Mars. Bing bong. That's the introduction of the Ice Warriors to Alpha Centauri mm. at the very end of Queen of Mars. Wonderful, right? And now we finally get to see them. That's the, oh. So is that the beginning of the Galactic Federation? That's like the, the end of Queen of Mars is, like the, is a prequel to this episode Shit. or serial. Mind blown, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I don't know. This is a, a, um, a note that I saw on, on Wikipedia or TARDIS Wiki or else. The, the, one of the directing notes... To the voice actor okay. um, for, for Alpha Centauri was to act like a gay civil servant. What? Not my words. <laughs> Are you serious? The director. Now. What the fuck? Why? I, I, I Wait, what is that? Wait, what ha- kind of directing is that? I have zero idea. Because if someone had given me that direction, I'd be like, hmm. hey. I guess I need to inhale a lot of helium and not be offended by this. I would, I would just be <laughs> like, hi, I'm a civil servant named Craig. <laughs> There's no real difference here between all the other silver servants. I only read one piece of trivia about... I'm not going to stop calling this thing Skipper the Eye Child. 
I only read one piece of trivia about this, and this is from um, <laughs> this is from IMDb. I copy pasted it. I'm going to read it out verbatim. Alpha Centauri's phallic resemblance was not lost on the crew. Costume designer Barbara Lane elected to outfit Centauri in a yellow cloak to mask the body shape. End quote. Wow. It is genuinely a one-eyed trouser snake. It is a six-armed dick. <laughs> That's well, wonderful. The voice is the only thing that I hate about it. I, and I don't think I hate the voice. Oh, really? I mean... Oh, it's so yes, grating. It was, it was incredibly grating, but like... The commitment to it. So, well, no, because conceptually, I liked the idea of a fucking, of a alien that wasn't sonically pleasing, because, like, why would all aliens speak in a frequency that would make sense to us? That's true. Right. That's true. But, I mean, this thing is already speaking English. <laughs> so, so suspension of disbelief. This thing is already speaking English. Let's just say it's running its voice through some sort of translator. Let's just say that yeah. or whatever. Or it's learned to speak English. Doesn't matter. It is such an annoying voice that they even address it in this serial. Yeah, well. Shall we already call a soundbite? This is a soundbite from episode 4, 11 minutes and 30 seconds in. Arcturus was an unattractive person, princess. But I think I preferred his cold logic to the hysteria of Centauri. Centauri, stop it. Centauri. Centauri, stop it. <laughs> for, a se- for a second, I thought I'd done something wrong, like like I had my phone on and my, you know, the DVD. Calibered your DVD incorrectly. Yeah, yeah some, something. Because well, I was like, hang on, what the fuck is going Why is everyone talking at the same time? This is the least professional thing. But I know actually it was it was uh, it was very good. Actually, it did. It did amp up the annoyingness of Alpha Centauri for the for the dramatic effect that I think was trying to be achieved. I'm a big fan of Alpha Centauri. I'm a huge fan of Alpha Centauri. Huge fan. But having now watched two different versions of Day of the Daleks, I'm in favor of there being a special edition of (laughs) Curse of Peladon, where everything is exactly the same except they recast, they redub Centauri with like, but like Mr. T. With James L. Jones. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) I am a giant dick Uh, with six arms. Good Welcome evening. to the European Union. Good evening. <laughs> I am the delegate from Alpha Centauri. <laughs> Way better. Way better. <laughs> My name is but- Mufasa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, there's a there's another thing as well that kind of sprang to mind. Uh, sprang to mind. There's a film with Brooke Shields and Alex Winter. Uh, <laughs> uh, <cool>. <laughs> Why? <laughs> It's called Freak or Freaked or Freaks or whatever. It's it's one of these like horrendously offensive, not funny at all, body shaming comedies of the nineties. Right. It's about a freak show or like a circus or whatever. Mm. And there is there are two or three giant eye creatures. <laughs> Just like I've seen this before. I have definitely seen this before, and you're gonna be friends with Billis Preston Esquire. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Randy Quaid is in it as well. Randy yeah. Quaid. And wait! And Mr. T. <laughs> Mr. I swear to God, Mr. T is the bearded lady. Anyway, we I need to get off this. So <laughs> I'm looking for a fucking out. I just keep smiling at you, like, cool, man. I want to talk Fine, about fucking re- Brooke Shields. I've got a whole other podcast about Brooke Shields. <laughs> Fine, let's return to Skipper the Eye Child. Henceforth, that's it. What about the brain in the box? Arcur- Arcanus? Arcanus? Uh, Arctur- Arcturus? 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 Yeah. yeah. Design wise, really reminded me of the android in Voyage of the Damned in New Who. Mm, Do you remember? Like yeah. a head in a box under a glass and whatever. Basically, like it's like Ambassador Kosh married an aquarium because it's like it spritzes water on him and stuff. I particularly awesome like how that dude um, tries to display his racist ability to defend himself. Uh, how is that? This, he's just like, he's, he's like, a diplomat. He's just like, yeah, I, I'm a diplomat, but also look at my wang, right? <laughs> now look at my wang, destroy that urn. <laughs> In my on my planet, and, and King Peladon goes like that used to house my great grandmother. <laughs> but thank you, <laughs> thank you for making yet more ashes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that pot in particular. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it, it's not exactly the, <laughs> the most brilliant demonstration of diplomacy that that we see in this serial. Also, I don't understand. So the cliffhanger for episode three is him turning up with his with his uh, cock gun. Wait, in oh yeah, because he we have the fight scene with, fight with scene, Run, which we'll talk about at length. Oh, um, I have to. But so so <laughs> Head in a Jar turns up with his cock gun. Yeah. 
Fire is it? Yeah. Laser dicks the two companions. Boom, end of episode. Whom did he hit? Mm. What happened? And wait, beginning- wait, wait. Is that actually the cliffhanger? Yeah. Or do we also get to see, is part of the cliffhanger also Ice Warrior, Ice Warrior, main Ice Warrior, lead Ice Warrior, unholsters his laser? I'm going to level with you, Leon. Hit I me. may not have been paying attention. It oh. might just be, <laughs> all I remember was the dick gun yeah. coming out and then, then it sort of ending. Wait, wait, now, is it a dick gun or is it like a... I mean, do you think his dick can also pick up, you know, HBO? Because it, it really... <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, sorry, you were saying. Um, well, no, so uh, again, I remember being slightly confused at the beginning of episode four. Who did he laser? He no, he was going to laser. I don't think he lasers. He, he makes the fucking noise. Oh yeah, but he okay. So maybe he misses because Nice Warrior Number One fires a massive laser at him. And, oh, wait, hang on. Is that what happens? Yeah, that's yeah. what happens. And then the priest, not at all suspiciously, walks away in a huff. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's what happens. And no one, by the way, no one goes. Uh, so it turns out one of the delegates was a terrorist. Yeah. We are here on a mission of peace, by the way. Two of the peacemakers just lasered each other. <laughs> okay, other real quick. Yeah, okay. How big is this Galactic Federation, do you think? Oh, it's three planets. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's four because Earth is also there. There's three planets, <laughs> and the, the history of the uh, of the Galactic Federation has just been making the rules for its delegation. Like that—that's its whole fucking purpose. Why is it so much? So obviously, clearly, we we sort of said in the intro that this is an allegory for Britain joining the yeah. EEC. Yeah. Which is fucking ironic in 2017. As we are Brexiting. As we are Brexiting. Oh, oh so sad. It's so sad. Well, at least we have the curse of Peladon. Maybe we could send a copy of the DVD to, you know, Theresa May. Let her be inspired. Let's just go, in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> in this scenario, who do you think you are, Theresa May? <laughs> Jesus. Um... Okay, I don't even know. Did you want to talk about that allegory, or were you done with it? No, I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, the, uh, not England, aka Peladon, is about to join a giant federation, and there's lots of infighting. Yeah, cool. Yeah, done. And there are some people who are for it, and some people who are against it. Roughly fifty-two percent <laughs> of the characters are for joining the Galactic Federation. Uh, I'm so sad. Fuck! Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's fine. It's fine. Is it's, it? <laughs> it's, it's not fine at all, but it's fine. It's fine. Sure. It's fine. Okay. Um, let's <laughs> talk about how beautiful the king is. Oh, you mean the guy who... <laughs> so we were having a discussion with some other Whovians on Facebook yeah. uh, the other day, and uh, we, we sort of uh, pulled up a, a thumbnail of, of uh, the the King of Peladon. <laughs> yes. And I like... Whose name is King Peladon, by the King way? King Peladon. Yeah. Great name. Alpha Centauri, <laughs> King Peladon. Let's not strain any brain cells. Uh, <laughs> fuck's sake. Um, now, I said that he looked like a cross between Bowie and uh, Spike from Buffy. Yeah. Uh, James Marston. James Marston. Marston. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I've written down in my notes, King Peladon is like Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr. had a transporter accident. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone else posted a very, very uh, interesting screen cap of a young Christopher Walken, which looked very... Whoa! Like, from like King of New York. You know what? Yeah. I can I can dig it. Yeah. He looks... <laughs> I can dig it. <laughs> yeah. He looks a lot like a young Walken. Yeah. He does. Either way... He's quite clearly a beautiful man. He is, yeah. I, I mean, that's where my Eric Donald Jr. <laughs> is really just falls. Yeah, gotcha, yeah. yeah, and blonde. No, you're right. Very much a Christopher Walken slash Bowie. A, a gorgeous man. And in fact, you can tell... Th- this is the guy... He's played by Dave Troughton, hmm. son of Patrick Troughton, son of the second Doctor. And we've seen him in... Uh, we saw him in Midnight's in mm-hmm. New Who. He showed up in Midnight's. And... Um, Didn't look as great. But you can so tell that it's the same guy. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah, he. I mean, he's aged. Obviously, he's aged. That was a few I decades ago. I feel bad ago. about that comment now. Retracted. Cheerfully retracted. Okay, fine. <laughs> he so very clearly grew into that man. Mm. So it's, it, that's kind of fun. I, I think that's really, really fun to see. But aside from that, he looked, from certain angles in certain scenes, he looks a lot like his dad. Mm. And that's quite nice as well. Like, you can tell uh, there's a little hint of Patrick Troughton in there. Let's seek into the love story. <laughs> Into the how beautiful he is, is oh. that because he's so beautiful? Yeah. Does that make you? Would that make Joe just fall instantly in love with him and wanting to leave her fucking planet behind? The, that love story is one of I'm gonna I'm gonna say few beefs I have with the serial. 
is is completely unfounded. So I have beef with the the. It's kind of like it's like Romeo and Juliet, right? Like where they've known each other three days and now they want to fucking murder. You know commit double suicide yeah it seems like an implausibly small amount of time to make such massive sweeping well interestingly someone who we were talking to on facebook actually said that there's a very shakespearean quality to this serial Mm, so yeah there you go but i would also say this is katie manning at a fucking height Oh, she's fantastic. Isn't she? She yeah. is the heart of this fucking serial. Yeah. Finally, she gets some agency. And th- this is, it's interesting because in the beginning, she is such a stereotypical 1970s BBC version of like a, the girly girl. I mean, she's even presented as a literal princess. Mm. Uh, and she's in her dress, which is not good for climbing. And, like, and she obviously falls for the handsome king. And uh, there isn't much outside of that archetype there. But then she ends up being the true protagonist of the serial. Mm. Has so much agency. Actually commands it in in a way that Pertwee does not. Often when he's literally not on screen. Now she does a fantastic job. Yeah. Well done, Katie Manning. Absolutely. Mm. Um, Shall I undo all of that as well a little bit? Go on. She's really easy on the eyes. <laughs> 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 Fucking hell. Okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to double down on this terrible, terrible sexism. Right? I'm, cutting, I'm cutting that. No, no, I'll double down. No, 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 no. I'll double down on it. I'm going to say a thing. Well, I feel like I would say this if this was also a male actor, right? I feel like I'm going to say this if this was also yeah. a male actor. So Katie Manning now yeah. clearly has had some Botoxy lip stuff. Oh, okay. And I think you can almost see it in this specific serial. I think her top look look, looks real different. It doesn't really have any bearing on the story or the ability to tell it. I'm fine with it. Wait, wait, wait. I I don't understand. So wait, hang on. In this serial... Wait, wait, what are you saying? Sorry. She's had, like, work done to a, like, top lip. Oh, really? Yeah. Already back then? Yeah, I think so. I didn't didn't observe that. I mean, I don't know. This is speculation, and I've just been looking at Katie Manning's Twitter feed where I'm just saying, and this has zero bearing on a fucking fear. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's... I mean, I find that fascinating because, quite frankly, somehow it seems like it's too long ago for that to even have been a thing. Yeah, no, second like, right? Inject things into your lips and whatever. Anyway. But she was great. She was a tour de force. Yeah, she was. She did a fantastic job. I really enjoyed her interplay with the Ice Warriors. I thought she was... Fa- Actually, I, I liked her interplay with all of the characters, but I, I, I... Okay, hang on, sorry. Here's why I'm saying that. I did not like her interplay with King Peladon because that mm. whole love story is just totally bonkers. It's just... It's fucking bananas how abruptly it, you know, it flowers. It's very similar to, do you remember in The Daemons, mm. when out of nowhere she goes zero to, I'm going to sacrifice myself for the Doctor, who continuously and continually offends me yeah. <laughs> in like five seconds. But I would say that in lieu of like time for, yeah. for a relationship to go, which actually most fucking shows don't have, like, so you you all often end up with this concatenated um like love story is sure. Like, so, you know much shorter than it should be i think they had real on-screen chemistry yeah they did but okay so you sold it to me yeah yeah no i agree i agree i i think that they definitely did a good job i think everyone did a good job in this one except possibly for grun <laughs> but but grun, grun. Well, we'll get to grun we'll get to grun but okay so here's another thing to factor in here's another thing to bear in mind when we first start this episode or this serial joe is on her way to a date with captain yates yeah She's clearly got a thing on with uh, what's 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 his name by the way? Something Yates, Paul, James Yates, yeah. Ca- oh whatever, who cares? So um, I've written it down somewhere. That's all right. I she can't can, find it. She can do two things. Mike, Mike Yates. That's fine. I'll see no ring on her finger. That's fine. Yeah, no, no, I get it. I, th- that's fine. I'm not saying that she's not allowed to or that it's morally, you know, ambiguous territory. That's not what I'm saying. W- what I'm thinking is she's dressed up as a princess, as in she's presented as a princess, mm. as just the damsel of this serial. In the beginning, not, not like already 15 minutes into the serial, that's changed. Mm. But then she falls for Peladon, I think because he's sort of Prince Charming. As in, he is the beautiful young king mm. slash Prince Charming character. And if he weren't, if he were, like, say he were a god, they wouldn't have written that in. Well, also, it's, it was serving into the whole, like, political, um, you know, uh, drama aspect of it is that that also was used as a device to, if you, if you marry me, then there won't be an issue you know, that there's yeah. some sort of like, and, and you know, he had a. Can you explain that a little bit more to me, though? Because there's one aspect no, no, of I that. Can't. Well, there's there's <laughs> one aspect of that of that subplot that I do not understand. 
So as in the one where he says, if you marry me, everything will be fine. Like, yeah. Why? A, why? <laughs> yeah. The, it's not the War of the Roses. Why would that be? I don't think... Wait, does that mean, what? Well, like, automatically we're going to join the Federation and no one's going to say anything? Is that what he means? I don't know. Okay, like, so if Theresa May fucks, Carl, uh, you know, um, like Michelle Barnier or <laughs> Carl Juncker, like, that, nothing happened. Uh, no, I, mean, I think, I think you're wrong. I think that means automatically the UK is now part of the EU forever. It's just part of Denmark. Just Denmark. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, sorry, that's what it, how it works. But so, A, I don't understand why this marriage is... I mean, it's not. It's literally just an excuse for him to get into her pants. And B, she says no, and shortly thereafter, everyone, quote-unquote, knows that they're getting married. Why? Do you remember Skipper the Eye Child tells her, like, oh, well, I mean, I don't really understand this because you're going to get married to Peladon. Can you... Now you have to show us your credentials because you're marrying Peladon. It's like, wait, why? Well, did you think my passport says, yeah, I'm eligible to fuck Peladon? No. I've got another theory for you, or another suggestion. Hmm. Does it actually really matter if he marries an Earth woman? He is, by his own admission, for some weird reason, half human. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Why is he half human to begin with? I don't know, because his mum was human. What do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's weird. That's fine. I think it's super duper weird to make this one character half human for no other... I mean, I think the only reason he's half human is to make him more attractive to Joe. Mm. Oh, maybe I'm getting annoyed over nothing. Yeah, I, maybe. Know, maybe. I mean, I didn't, I didn't find that too hackneyed because I don't think that it would it impacted the plot in such a significant way. You know, like it was a thing that kept coming up and whatever. But like with or without it, the plot basically is essentially the same. Whereas if it was one of those sort of like weird, massive fucking game changers, and we are uh, like, you know, when that fucking dude was bulletproof for no reason, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I forgot about that guy, like right, <laughs> Tobias Vaughn, yeah. Um, like, stuff like that, then that would annoy me, but I don't mind. I don't mind at all, really. Yeah, okay, yeah. fine. Um, what I don't really understand... Hit me. ...is the whole delegation. So the delegation have come to, to Peladon to discuss Peladon's future. Yeah. I feel... And this is what? And I, I, third millennia or whatever. 3885. Just do it by email. Video no. bad boy. No, no, no. I feel, I've also, I feel like more than three of you need to... Like, there'll be, like, a whole civil service and <laughs> and, like... Uh, well, I mean, there would have been a fourth one, except she was late. So, <laughs> I'm just saying, it's, uh, a, it's a pretty, uh, you know, they were they were giving lots of the impressions of bureaucracy, and again, all it jibes at the EC. Did the people not give a sh- did the Did the writers really hate the EC? Maybe. Maybe this was written slash produced by people who were just vehemently against it. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. On the other hand... They were saying that this is the best thing for you. Join this. Join this thing. And it ends. Oh, I mean, the happy ending is that Peladon does join the Federation. So actually, I take it back. Mm. Right. And it's the bad guys that are trying to prevent the entry into the EEC. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. No. I. Th- I. I take it back. I think they. They're like very, very much pro. But they got all the bureaucracy right. There's a lot of bureaucracy, and that's fair. Yeah, but you are right, though. Why... Why is there only fucking four of them? Why are there four of them? What are they there to do? Is it like, hmm, you know what? Peladon's really on the fence. We're going to send four of our <laughs> four of our most <laughs> saleable <laughs> representatives to just hammer this home, to just go like, hey, Peladon, we're going to sweeten the deal. You see how one of our delegates is dick-shaped? We can make this work for you. You'll get all the resources you need, and also six-hand massage from Alpha Centauri. Okay another thing okay so the like the like quasi omniscience of the doctor right in other iterations where he knows all of human history yeah he knows all of human history oh yeah yeah from literally like day dot day you'd say well this is the fifth human empire you know whatever right yeah yeah sure why doesn't he know at some point that him that them and the ice warriors make peace and they create a little a fun federation where the ice warriors are proper on the level and cool I don't have an answer for you. Right, that, no, that you're right. literally stuck in my core a little bit. When I sat there, I was like, why don't you know this? Well, I mean, it, more importantly, why didn't he know this in, in Seeds of Death, for example, or, you know, any of the Ice Warrior episodes that we had? Why doesn't Matt Smith know this? When he turns up, why is he like, well, I thought the Ice Warriors were cool. Yeah. They're not cool? When do they stop being cool? When do they stop being cool? That's a very good question. Or is it that they start being cool sometime in the year 3885, around about, and we haven't encountered them? As in, they start being cool 
long after maybe they stopped being cool after they joined the Galactic Federation and we only ever encountered them pre, pre? no that's not true either because in Matt Smith times we get to see an ice warrior aboard a nuclear sub right yeah so that was the one I was thinking of but then maybe that is pre 3000 or whatever yeah but it's um, definitely post Queen of Mars shit right well, so, so Queen of Mars can't be a prequel. Well, I mean, it, it's, it's a prequel pre- because that's because when Alpha Centauri and the Ice Warriors meet. Yeah, so does it, that mean it takes... So Maybe they just don't form the Galactic Federation right away. That's they, what I'm well, saying. So it, it takes like centuries for them to do that. That's the 19th century, and it takes a millennia. It takes like a... Yeah, almost two millennia to join to, to make a Galactic Federation. Maybe. I don't know, man. Either way, in this one, you're right. In this one, the Ice Warriors are the good guys. They're at least neutral. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. I mean, uh, I would say they are the moral pillars of this <laughs> of the serial. <laughs> Fair enough, I mean, you Because, uh, yeah, sure, they're... Oh, actually, one of them does sort of sacrifice. They stay, don't they, for the best thing, you know, because the Doctor saved uh, yeah. Is- Isilia. Isilia? Isilia? Yeah, Isilia. Isilia. There you go. The other one, by the way, Sorn or... S- yeah, whatever, yeah. Who plays him? Sonny Caldinas. Oh, shit. Kerching. Sonny getting out work. Oh, uh, buddy, Sonny. Secure in the bag, Sonny. Oh, gotcha. yeah. Uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, they, they were great. I really did enjoy them. And I enjoy. I, I, I actually, through the whole thing, felt warm for them from the start. Because I assume yeah. if you're part of the delegation, you believe in the fucking, like, why would you come here just to... Why would you have got... Why would you have created an entire federation <laughs> <laughs> just to, to slag it off? Yeah. Then again, I mean, there's... Uh, what... Arturis, Arcturus, mm. who's like a gorgon head inside a lava lamp. That guy, he's a massive dirtbag. He's part of the Federation. He's 25% of the Federation as far as we're aware. <laughs> <laughs> Federation's just a fucking treehouse. It's just a treehouse with like a pack of Watsits. <laughs> Here's my note. Delegate from Arturis just destroys a vase. He's a diplomat. <laughs> <laughs> Diplomats are always packing, and they fucking hate vases. <laughs> okay, can, can I... This is just a small departure from the, the plot itself, I guess, and the characters. And there are a few characters and a few scenes that we definitely do need to get into, and we haven't yet. Grand. But, yeah, exactly. For example, and we, we haven't even talked about what's the monster of um, Agador, whatever. In the beginning, they get out of the TARDIS and let the TARDIS fall down. Why? Would it not make sense? In the current iteration of the TARDIS, in New Who, and I feel in William Hartnell's version of the TARDIS, if you were aboard the TARDIS and it fell off the off a cliff, which happened, by the way, on a number of occasions, it happened so often that on Who Back When, Flaps and I were deliberating, should we not create a list of the, quote, literal cliffhangers where they <laughs> materialize on the edge of a cliff? At the very least, in the Romans, they materialize on a cliff edge. Mm. The TARDIS falls down. They are inside the TARDIS. And then it falls down clearly so far that, you know, if it were just a wooden box, everyone would die. But because it's the TARDIS, yeah, they're a little shaken up, but they just climb out of it. It's fine. Mm. We we get in New Who the same thing. You know, Matt Smith's, I- the 11th hour, Matt Smith crashes his TARDIS, climbs out of it. Mm completely fine but here my heart was in my throat when they get out of the TARDIS and it falls down it plummets down this cliff I was just like no stay stay in it like stay in the TARDIS you will be safe and then you can dematerialize it just annoys me actually because it's not like I don't park my car on the edge of a cliff right get out precariously watch and you go oh just don't fucking park there you have literally the whole <laughs> planet there is a giant castle up there what is your deal yeah also good point <laughs> Okay, other things. Yeah, okay, things. go for it. So it's the, what, the, what do we say, 3,885. That's according to Tardis Wiki. This is like the least space age attire for like a, a race that are about to... Why, because King Peladon wears a giant set of labia and shorts? Exactly. <laughs> is that what we do? Like, what is it? Why? Um, and, and, and why are you still living in castles? Because he's a king. This is it. He is Prince Charming. Obviously, he lives in a castle on a hill. It's a fairy tale. And that's why she is the princess and she falls in love with him. Why it is a fairy tale. any technology? Why would you introduce this backwards fucking ass you know, race of people... To into the your, Galactic Federation. They don't have any technology in this whole 
cereal. Yeah, okay, here's a question for you. How did one human get all the way to Peladon? That's fine. I'm fine with that. Because oh, right, sorry, because yeah, yeah. humans can travel. Humans fine, yeah. can travel, but they fucking can't, seemingly. No, they really can't. Do you know what my favorite piece of Peladonian technology is? Go on. It's that giant pencil that, uh, <laughs> what's his name, Herpes, the... <laughs> The priest yeah. uses Hepesh. <laughs> yeah, herpes to write something at the end. It's like I mean, it's it's like forearm sized. It's like one of those giant novelty crayons that children have. <laughs> it's like yeah, we're gonna write something high tech. I like to think of, of Hepesh is like a Greek Orthodox cardinal originally. <laughs> <laughs> Who's more offended in that scenario? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, guys. You're going to have to find it out until one of you is the true religion. That's my note from part three. Herpes uses the biggest, least ergonomic pencil ever. <laughs> <laughs> on a number of occasions, actually, I'm just um, scouring my notes, on a number of occasions up until the very end, up until, actually, it happened, I wrote something to the effect of, where are the human delegates? Have they just forgotten about the human delegates? <laughs> oh, I was completely convinced. Up until the end, I was completely convinced that there are no human delegates. Like, this is something that they wrote in as an alibi, and then they just forgot just about forgot. it. Well, yeah. no, they, they, they... And then at the end, yeah, yeah it's fine. It fine. Yeah. Amazonia. Um, but <laughs> I, was, I was more concerned about the idea, you know, by the fact that there weren't... It wasn't like a proper fucking committee of people. Like, there weren't more people. That was just weird. Why would you send four? Like, why are you sending? But, but, yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Four sorry. people haven't decided anything. Like the fucking Yalta conference was more than just FDR, Churchill, and and freaking Eisenhower. Right? But I think it, it all depends uh, on one Stalin. thing. Uh, yes, it, it all depends on one thing, which I don't think was ever decided in you know the preamble to writing this script, and that is what is the purpose of their visit. Are they there to convince Peladon to join? Are they there for just a ceremony? Are they there literally just to exchange some paperwork? Or is there something else to it? Like, is there a negotiation that's going to be part of this? We are never told. I think it's just admittance. I think they're ruling on admittance. Wait, so does that mean that they are on the fence? They are showing up there to have Peladon go, please let us join, and they then decide, well, you know, you throw a pretty good talent show. <laughs> This is a really swanky castle. I mean, it's not as good as my palace in the sky because this is the fourth millennia. We can do that now. Yeah, except you live in a Disney fairy tale. Yeah. <laughs> Those are some really sweet galoshes, dude. I have rocket boots. <laughs> we just showed up and you told us that someone, quote, died under mysterious circumstances, end quote. Probably safe to stick around. Um, I don't understand. I don't. I, I don't know why I'd want. If I, if I was a nice warrior, I'd be like, nah, we can. We we're good without you guys. Yeah. What has Peladon ever done for the rest of the galaxy? What do you bring into the to the fucking table? Torches, torches, and secret passageways. Not to go far right on this, but is Peladon essentially the grease of the of the Galactic Federation? Yeah, yeah. Peladon hasn't paid taxes for <laughs> and lied about paying their taxes for about a decade, and <laughs> and now Alpha Centauri has come to <laughs> cash really, in. I'm really sorry, our like four Greek relations. Yeah, sorry about that. But you know what? Pay your taxes. So <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Do not pay your taxes. Fuck these people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what I'm saying. Okay, uh, yeah, and I'm not trying to be political about it. Uh, fuck it, fuck it, let's not get into that. Um, shall we talk about Grun? <laughs> I have a question for you about well, Grun. Is it why? <laughs> <laughs> In your opinion, w would you say that Grun has had ample time to perfect his communication skills? So, this goes right back into what we were just talking about. <laughs> why have you got a champion... Why yeah. is that a thing you have? Oh, because they're super primitive. Why isn't he allowed a shirt? That's another thing. Because he's the champion. He was super buff. <laughs> <laughs> Why haven't you got him some sort of, like, speech therapist, occupational therapist, something that can help him overcome his crippling communication issues? Oh, because this is a pre-therapeutic society <laughs> where they haven't invented speech therapy yet. <laughs> and we keep people as, like, essentially for, like, fucking cockfighting. Yeah, they're like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up, son? I want to be a champion. Excellent. And what do you want to be when you grow up, son? I want to be a vocal coach. To the Agador! <laughs> <laughs> so, Grun so, makes no sense to me. Grun makes no sense. He's a human Pokemon. Like, what the fuck is Grun? The fuck is his deal? Why does he want more for himself? 
Okay, so here, here's another thing that maybe <laughs> is proof enough that Peladon should not be admitted into the Galactic Federation. They had trial by combat. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't... Uh, yeah, like, and that's their slightly less barbaric. They were just like, all right, you're going to have to die now. Well, the only, the only other option is trial by combat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Grun's not on trial. What's his fucking... Why does he have to die? It's because he is the champion. It, this is... I mean, I had massive Game of Thrones vibes from this. Because they've got trial by combat. Do you watch Game of Thrones? No, I fucking don't. That's fucking amazing. Anyway, so in my notes, I've literally written... I've, I've just scrolled to it. He, I wrote, Doc should just pull a Tyrion Lannister and get Grum to fight on his behalf. And then I find out he is fighting Grum. That's what's happening. I, no, it, 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 massive Game of Thrones. Anyway, love Game of Thrones. It's great. Dragons and tits. Anyway, so and blood. Um, it's my three favorite things. I'm just gonna leave you hanging out here, son. <laughs> Sorry, I'll cut half of that. <laughs> Except I'll keep the bit where I say I'll cut half of that. Um, <laughs> and yet again, I've written when are the real human delegates coming to Peladon? So yeah, so trial by combat. The delegates are all there. They're witnessing this thing, mm. including the one dude's head in a lava lamp who lasers or tries to laser the doctor mm. and possibly Gron as well. Did he think he was going to get away with it, by the way? I don't know what his deal was because I, I still don't necessarily think that's exactly what happened. So what do you think happened? I don't fucking know. That's my problem. But like, so the, again, if you were writing this serial, yeah. you don't need a like a sleeper cell. No, and... Because the peril is, is that Peladon don't join the Federation and that whoever is doing the sabotaging, whoever is the saboteur, might do something to affect the delegates that would spark intergalactic war. You don't need a sleeper cell, I agree, but it doesn't hurt, because that then acts as a catalyst for... You always do with a sleeper cell, could you? It's always just good to have one in the back pocket. (laughs) No, but for this narrative, it doesn't hurt, because that then acts as a catalyst for two different things. One that succeeds, narratively, and that is the, oh, someone sabotaged his lava lamp. Mm. And it turns out, actually, he was in on it all along. Mm. But for a while, that cast suspicion on the Doctor, mm. right? Uh, or on someone other than him, anyway. But yeah, de facto, the Doctor. And then another thing, which completely bombs, and that's him whipping out his Netflix antenna and aiming it at the trial by combat, which should immediately disqualify them from entry anyway. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if if I had a, you know, a a federated state of of um of enlightened people and i went to one of their their like coronations and they're like hey yeah yeah well you know we'll work this paperwork out just take a seat we're just gonna let these two kids fight to the death i'll be like cool that's a hard pass for me <laughs> that's a hard pass would you already have given a hard pass when you found out that they worship a horned's beast god <laughs> and that's the it seems to be the fund like the foundation of their entire religion no i'm fine with that i've got a minotaur in my house <laughs> oh okay that's cool yeah then. yeah <laughs> front and center um no i don't know it's it's just all bullshit yeah a hundred percent okay we haven't talked about agador though about the actual horned beast gone so there's one single horned beast yep so wait hang on let's backpedal a little bit they have a religion that is based around a mythical creature. Yes. The Agador. Mm. This legendary, like, it, I mean, it's a fairy tale monster. The Gruffalo. Turns out it is 100% part of the local fauna. Because <laughs> there are just these animals roaming the landscape outside the castle. Again, this is the issue I had. Because the doctor's like, well, it's just an animal that, you know, Hepesh is... Yeah. is, is he very it. easily just captured one of them. And I'm like... Out, like, where, where are your, you know, fuck, they, this can't be the case. This can't be the case. There can't be loads no of No one them. else has ever seen them, by Or the one of them, right? You haven't captured Nessie, or you're fucking, yeah. or there's loads of them and everyone just, want, uh, when they're outside the castle, just shuts their eyes. Yeah. Or they never go outside the castle. Or everyone. shit outside the castle. Okay, so a lot of the gods seem to be in on it. It's herpes and a bunch of the gods. Mm. They are all in on it. They know exactly what's going on, yeah. right? Here's another question for you. Do we ever get to see anyone else in Peladon? Nope. It's, so, the, it's the king, Hepesh. And uh, I. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, is, is the other advisor that got... got the guy um, who gets boned right in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is that it? And yeah, and then just like... That's the it. So, soldiers and Grun. And, gr- and Grun. <laughs> Grun. What a dude. Did Grun not mean grey in German? Uh, that's grau. Oh. Maybe you're thinking grün. Grün. Grün, which is green. 
another question for you. Mm. So towards the end, Joe tells Peladon, listen, I'm not even a real princess. I, I lied about that whole thing. And he goes, that's fine. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't phrase that in the form of a question. <laughs> <laughs> Why does it not matter to him that she confesses that she's a fraud? Because everything he said to her up to this point is just... One-liners to get into her pants? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just like, well, we need to save the uh, we need to save the galaxy, baby. Yeah. Um, I'm not a princess. I'm not picky. I'm not picky. I'm just a common, I'm just a man standing in front of a girl, <laughs> <laughs> wanting to bone her. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> okay. Here's something we haven't talked about: Venusian lullaby. This is the Which, second time that we've heard the Venusian Which is, um, is to the tune of. God, wrestle ye merry gentlemen, gentlemen yeah. yeah we last heard the venusian lullaby in oh what was it called i want to say it's the first trip that they take in the tardis after he's been stranded on earth there there are the colonists and there's the industrial colony in space well done thank you i think it's colony in space is it that one or is it in Damon's? Oh, shit. Every, like, all my memories. It's definitely like, not in Damon's, but I can't remember anything about Colonial Space. <laughs> I reckon... Okay, I reckon it's Colonial Space then. Anyway, so he... We've heard him use the Venusian law Why does he before. give a shit about Venus so much? I don't know, because it's a cool place, man. Is they it because it sounds... Ankido and lullabies. Is it because it sounds like Venusian? Yes. Venusian blinds. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, the, the annual Venusian carnival. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's... I don't know. I mean, it's fine. They've got Aikido and lullabies. I'm happy with it. It's good. I guess. Those are the only two things that they've ever... Like, why is it everything so fucking Venusian? <laughs> why, do you, why do you fuck off to Venice? Uh, Venice, v- Venus, if you love it so damn much. <laughs> hey, if you like Venus so much, marry it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do that, Saturn. It's already got a ring. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of Venusian Aikido. In the in the grand fight, yeah, um, I was expecting him to do the Vulcan neck pinch again, which he hasn't done in a while. Yeah, I quite, oh actually sorry, he did that in Day of the Daleks, didn't he? I quite liked the fight scene. Fight scene was cool. Yeah, yeah, I um, to do. So S Gamer got in touch. Yeah, about me saying how things are too James Bondy. I read his reply. And yeah, I, I read his comment. So S Gamer says that apparently Pertwee had some was in some, one of the intelligence agencies. Yeah, MI six, MI five. Yeah, and, and a friend of Fleming's. And a friend of Fleming's. Yeah. Uh, so, and they, the, the creators, uh, I guess, T-Dicks, Baronets, etc., etc., just let him put in loads of spy shit. Yeah. And you know what? Good choice, guys. <laughs> because he totally nails it. <laughs> <laughs> so, real talk. So, this is, a dele- this is another delegation of, of various parties. Is this... Better or worse than the last conference of oh. delegates? Wait, which one do you mean? Do you mean, what, the human delegates in Day of the Daleks? Exactly. We, we, so we, we mentioned that at the time. We were like, wouldn't this be better if this was some sort of intergalactic Oh, yeah, that's, delegation? you know what? You're right. Um, yeah, this is better. This is better. So it, the, what this kind of reminds me of, even though it, it, morally it's the exact opposite, uh, in uh, the Daleks' master plan, hmm. they have... Uh, I can't remember what they were actually called. I referred to them as the Coalition of Kick-Ass at the time. And it's just like a whole bunch of aliens. Everyone's got an awesome costume. And they're like, yes, we are like Bond villains and we will collaborate. And this is, you know, we're a force for evil and we are going to destroy everything. But in the back of your mind, you're looking at them and you're like, oh, look at those guys cooperate. Isn't that lovely? (laughs) We are evil. (laughs) Item one. (laughs) It's like, yeah, but you know... There's a there's a there's a green alien, there's a blue alien, there's a purple alien, and they're all getting along. Isn't the, that lovely? Just <laughs> to the uh, to the agenda points. A O E B. A O B E. A O E B. A O E B. Any other evil business? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, anyway, so in this one, yeah. So you, for the first time since then, on in Classic Who, we have a whole bunch of alien dudes just collaborating. I think it's lovely. And I think it, it looks really nice on screen in the sense that it it makes the universe, it makes the galaxy anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I almost did a Terry Nation this and that. But like, it makes the galaxy seem smaller, you know? Everything's, mm. it's more of a neighborhood. Like, people are getting along. I like the idea of there being a federation. Mm. Because it, it 
Yeah. You know, it's the Star Trek thing. It's like the Federation in Star Trek. You want there to be collaboration be- between all these different galaxies. So, yeah, obviously, hands down, this smacks the shit out of the human delegates in Day of the Daleks. Okay. Okay, so I, I only have one more thing, then. Hit me. Let's, let's very appropriately end on a soundbite very close to the end of episode four of the serial. And it is when Amazonia, <laughs> shitty name, when she shows up and she says this. Telling you, my good fellow, I am the official Earth delegate. But the doctor is the accredited Earth delegate. Doctor? What doctor? Doctor who? So we get another one of those. I like that. I like it too. You know what? It's super cheesy. I like it. And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong. Hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Keeping it short and sweet. And in fact, I had already, I, I had prepared a rating for this beforehand. And what didn't happen this time is what always otherwise happens. Namely, somehow you managed to talk me down <laughs> from that rating. I'm going to stay with my original rating. First off, motivating it. The Doctor is in top form. He gets to even gets to see some action, as we just said. Joe starts off as this hapless girly girl, but lit- like she is literally presented as the princess. But then she turns into she is the very clear agent, the 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 protagonist of this serial, and she does a phenomenal job. And finally, like we get to see her acting chops. It's good. Dave Troughton, excellent. In fact, all the actors, except perhaps for Grun, doing a fine job. <laughs> Sorry, Grun. Skipper the Eye Child could have done with a different voice, but I'm a big fan of the one-eyed trouser snake. Ambassador Kosh, he was okay. This is, what's his name, Arcturus? Didn't really understand his role. We've already discussed this, but I liked him as a prop. I thought that was a really nice sci-fi touch, especially the, like, let's humidify his cranium a little bit. Overall, it's a tight little story. We didn't say this. It's a four-episode arc. Perfect length for this, I think. Giving this 3.9. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 3.9. I like this story. I really like this I one. agree with everything you said, yeah. so I think that's low. Oh, really? You're going higher than I'm that? I'm going higher. Oh, wow. Okay. I think this is better than Day of the Daleks. Oh, wow. oh, I'm not so sure it is. I think it is. I think for, for loads of reasons, Alpha Centauri is hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Ice Warriors presented as a new, like a good or at least minimally morally neutral yeah. force is wicked because that shows the expansiveness of the universe. Yeah. That, you know, Klingons aren't Klingons forever, essentially. Like, they've, they've got other shit going on, which is great. Yeah. Um, love the community. I love the allegory to, like, real-life political stuff. Um, Katie Manning was fucking amazing. She was. was amazing. And Pertwee Nikita, the shit out of some dude. Yeah, he did. Uh, all good stuff. And, and fucking, you know, Bowie, Christopher Walken, you know, Skunk Stripe King is amazing. Um, the plot, I guess, is a bit weaker. There's not really what I consider proper peril. But I guess maybe not everything needs proper peril. Maybe things are just possibly, you know, just preventing a tinderbox. Anyway... For those reasons, I gave it a 4.3. Wow, 4.3? Mm. You gave Day of the Daleks, we both gave four, Day of the Daleks 4.0. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, for me, Day of the Daleks is only moderately better than this, and that's solely because of, you know, using time travel as an actual plot element. And I think that's fantastic. I was a, fan, a bigger fan of the political drama aspect. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, fair. Uh, I would argue the political drama aspect of this was not exactly fleshed out enough, but <laughs> that's fine. Okay, awesome. Listener minis. Okie dokie. So uh, we have a few listener minis. First off, this one comes from Sgamer82. Steven, 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 Steven. How you doing, Steve? Hello, Steven. <laughs> I've missed doing that song. Stephen goes, TV Tropes calls this serial the one with a talking dildo alien. (laughs) Back when Joe was first introduced, I made a note to you guys to keep two episodes in mind in the future. Hmm. This is the first of them. Specifically, I wonder if you took note of the scene where Joe ruins the Doctor's attempt to hypnotize the Agador and how it contrasts with how she ruined his experiments on that first meeting. Ah, okay. Um, I hadn't considered that comparison. I did make a note, actually, of uh, how she effed up his hypnosis experiments, but... Yeah, no, that's a good point. All right, anyway, go for it. The serial has many good point, uh, good moments for Joe, I think, such as her picking up on the Doctor's ploy and acting the part of the princess and her moments as she tries, to, tries and fails to understand the King's motivations and actions. The Doctor's is also awesome, as we see the rare occurrence outside of Pertwee of him fighting an enemy in actual combat. 
I'm a sucker for stories with intrigue, so Peladon delivers nicely on that respect, as the mystery of who is sabotaging the delegates and why unfolds. A nice touch was the use of the Ice Warriors as red herrings. On the downside, the issue with the priest reminds me of similar science versus religion stories we've had, like the underwater menace. Very nice point. And I can't say I enjoyed that particular retread. We also had a retread of the Doctor's impersonating an unexpected official, as he did in The Power of the Daleks. I enjoyed watching the Doctor save the planet of the Skunk Stripes. I I give the Curse of Peladon a score of 3.9. Boom. Nice. If this weren't attached to a tripod, uh, Stephen, I would drop the mic. (laughs) Nice one. Very nice. Fantastic reference to both Underwater Menace and Power of the Daleks. Really, yeah, it is super relevant. Thank you very much for sending that in, Stephen. Uh, ladies and gentlemen of Podcast Land, who are not Stephen, first off, don't worry about it. Nobody's perfect. Secondly, <laughs> you can do the next best thing to being Stephen. You can follow him on Twitter. He is at sgamer82. That is 82, the number. Next up, Peter Zunich. Zunich! How you doing? Hello, hey. Peter. Peter writes... Let's face it, any Doctor Who story that has a castle in it tends to be rather good. (laughs) The story is a perfect example. Thanks much to the directing, Peladon is an instantly engaging world and its well-rounded mythos only leaves us wanting, wanting to know more. Katie Manning is paired well with both King Peladon and the Ice Warriors and is finally giving some scenes where she can show her acting skills. The Doctor immediately suspecting the Ice Warriors of wrongdoing is a great bit of misdirection that only becomes more relevant in the future. They are the driving force of good in this episode and it changes the opinion of them going forward. What indeed can we say of Alpha Centauri? At best, this iconic Doctor Who monster, arguably for the wrong reasons, was an insanely ambitious concept whose full potential was just never going to be realised on a shoestring budget. It's a shame, as I believe as a character, it worked well. It would be interesting to see a modern CG version. The Unctorian delegate, on the other hand, would have been better realised had he been portrayed by an actor in makeup. As for Agador, laugh if you like, but I think he was a rather fine creation and was acted well. <laughs> I look forward to next season when we return to continue the story started here. It truly is a shame that historically, one high-pitched voice and a design that didn't work overshadowed such a memorable story. Until next time, Naroon, 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 poof, you're a cuddly bear. 4.1. Close to me. It is, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nice one. Awesome. Thank you very much for sending that in. Bing bong, Future Ponkin here again. We actually received three more mini reviews after we recorded all that. And there's even one more coming up after this Future Punk segment, sort of. And before I read them out, I just want to preface this by saying we recorded this review about a week earlier than we normally do. It was it was a bit ad hoc, and I didn't announce in advance on Twitter or Facebook when the cutoff point for mini-reviews was, so that's my bad. I'm sorry about that. Henceforth, unless we announce otherwise on social media, and we, <laughs> we will try to get better at doing that in advance, I think it's safe to assume that the deadline for sending in a mini-review and getting it read out on the show is the Wednesday before the Sunday when the episode drops. Because this time I coincidentally still have the recording kit up and running, but I most often pack it all away after we record and I'm less inclined to assemble everything. I'm only bringing this up because one of the mini reviews that I'm about to read out, I literally got about 20 minutes ago. (laughs) And this episode drops in about an hour. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, blurg. Sorry for the boring fine prints. Okay, let's take a look at these mini reviews. First up, this one comes from Trenton Bless. Hello, Trenton. Trenton writes... The phrase diplomatic nightmare was surely invented for Brian Hale's exciting, elegant four-parter, which rolled a monster gallery, a whodunit, and a romance into one. A veiled comment on Britain's entry into the common market broadened its appeal and gave it the kind of added dimension that can only boost a story's value. I mean, the look of this serial was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, the sets looked good, the Ice Warriors were well done, and I really liked Joe in this story. So wonderful was it all. We've had a carnival of creatures before in Mission to the Unknown, but here cast and crew strive to make them all a bit different and invest them with distinct personalities. Alpha Centauri is a twittering ninny. Arcturus, a life-support-assisted schemer with a voice like the Formash, get smash, robots. I don't get that reference, but okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take your word for it. And the Pels themselves, a mixture of very human traits for an unsurprising architect of chaos, Hepesh, is at least well-structured in terms of motive. Overall, Trenton concludes, this serial is wonderful. I can't stop using that word with this one, can I? Wonderful! So with a wonderful story like this, it gets an easy 4.0. I mean, I'm sure 
you gave it a 4.0 as well, if at least not something close to it. Holy smokes, Trenton, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and like bet on some horses or something, because clearly your predictions are spot on. Yes, you're right. Uh, and I really agree with you. It's a very nice mini. Thank you for sending that in. Ladies and gents, you can follow Trenton on Twitter. He is at Trenton Bless. That's Bless with two S's. Next up, we've got Matthew Dennison. Hello, Matthew. Welcome back to the world of mini reviews. Uh, Matt says, I hope you don't mind if I call you Matt, do you? All right, cool. Um, <laughs> sorry, very presumptuous of me. Matt says, Doctor Who doesn't often do current affairs or political satire, so this take on the UK joining the EEC makes for an interesting and topical episode. It's flawed, but overall I liked it. Pertwee is typically great, whether he's easily assuming the role of chairman, kicking Grun's ass, or serenading a cuddly bear. <laughs> Joe has more to do than usual, although her rescuing the Doctor from Agador when he clearly has everything under control is a bit dumb. Yeah, agreed. The supporting characters are pretty good. The King is, in Joe's word, a wet fish, <laughs> but at least he's a well-acted one. And I like that all of the delegates have distinct characters. The Doctor's initial distrust of the Ice Warriors could have been more explored, though. There are quite a few plot holes, most notably, what stops the Doctor saying, come on, I'll show you the secret tunnels right now. <laughs> yeah, that's super true. <laughs> Matthew goes on. Also, the Federation seems quite slapdash. The delegates have no idea about customs on each other's planets, what the other delegates look like, what they are called, or even how many of them will be attending. Good point. Wouldn't catering need to know that in advance? Although perhaps British negotiators just show up in Brussels and begin talks with the first foreigner they meet. Um, probably, possibly, maybe, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not British. And while it bugged me at first, Joe decisively telling the delegates that they have no power to cancel a mission makes sense in this context. They probably don't know themselves what the rules are, so just agree with her. Still, it's four enjoyable episodes. Without much padding, spoiler, you will see six episodes on Peloton later, it drags, I'll give it a 3.0. Oh, wow, all right, 3.0. It's really interesting because so far at least, and there's one more to come, so far, all of you guys, and Nick, and I, we're kind of seeing the same things, but point-wise, we're, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a fairly broad range. We're between, what, 3 and 4.3 so far. Yeah, no, it's good. Matthew, love the mini. Thank you very much. Keep them coming. Next up, this one comes from Arthur, who actually in his email <laughs> clarified how one pronounces his uh, surname. The last time he sent something in, we were struggling. We were going like, Fuxake? And it turns out you pronounce it, fuck sake. So, <laughs> sorry, I should have seen that one coming. So, this one, I should say this is just about half of Arthur's mini-review, because it's slightly on the maxi side. Again, 250 words, that's the limit. Arthur says... Apparently, the basis of this serial was inspired by Great Britain's accession to the common market, which was a highly topical and controversial topic at the time. A kind of reverse Brexit for any younger listeners. <laughs> this being the case, it is interesting to note the initial mistrust towards the Ice Warriors, even on behalf of the Doctor himself, that slowly gives way to reveal them to actually become Earth's closest allies. However, if the scriptwriter's intention was to try and convince viewers to treat, quote, foreigners, because let's face it, this was the main issue at the time, with less suspicion, then I hardly think that introducing a traitor within their midst was possibly the best plot device. <laughs> That's a very fair observation, Arthur. Okay. <laughs> Arthur goes on, uh, Great acting skills displayed throughout by Troughton, although a little too theatrical in places for my liking. In fact, the character of the king did come across as rather naive and helpless too often throughout the serial. Loved the Hammer-style castle setting and the introduction of multiple alien cultures was quite interesting, even though a couple of these were a bit silly, but enjoyable nevertheless. My score for this, therefore, has to be a solid 3.0. Not a classic in my opinion, but well above average. Holy smokes, that's the second 3.0 in a row. Uh, awesome. Arthur, thank you very much for sending that in. Okie dokie, let's get back to the show where more of this awaits. Okay, cha-chao. <laughs> Ping bong. We also got a fantastic maxi review from Paul Forber. Hello, Paul. Hey, Paul. However, as before, as it is a maxi review, and we're going to have to reiterate the rules here just to be super duper clear, we're not going to uh, do it here on the air, as it were, but you can go to, and we thoroughly encourage you to go to whobackone.com and read his maxi review in its full splendor. Here are the rules, basically. 
just to be able to give everyone enough enough airtime, we're going to just keep it to two hundred and fifty words uh, and a, and a hopefully a numerical rating if you can if you can uh, muster one. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, everyone's going to appear on the website, so definitely go check those out. Yeah. Just to clarify, if you send us more than two hundred fifty words, if there's a very clear way for us to just break up two hundred fifty words to read out on the show, we will happily do that. But otherwise, we will just read out your rating or just pop it on the website. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thank you very much, and do please keep them coming. We love reading. Them. Next up, what have we got, dude? In Classic Who, we have the Sea Devils. Damn right we do. Oh, I am super excited by that. I I don't think I've seen... No, actually, I can tell you for certain. I have not seen it, but I have seen stills from it, and I know what a sea devil looks like. Mm. I am super duper looking forward to it. It's going to be exciting. On the new Who front, we have uh, Matt Smith. The 11th hour. The 11th hour. We're starting with Matt Smith's run, uh, and I'm super duper excited about that as well. I really... I recently rewatched it. Love the 11th hour. People can follow you on Twitter, can they not? They can, at Nicolaley. Yes, they can. Uh, you can follow me as well. High-five me online, and I'll high-five you right back. I'm at Ponkin. Thank you so much for listening. Be rad and excellent to each other. Rock on and cha ciao. Bye. Kablamo. Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends. Don't have any friends? No problemo. Tell some strangers. Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you on Google Plus? The final's on Google Plus. That's plus who back when. And when you do, tell us why you're on Google Plus. Who Back When just got its very own Twitter account, no lie, so give us a follow. You guessed it, that's at Who Back When, all in one word. Check us out on SoundCloud, vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can leave a comment, submit a review of your own, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Not only would it make us super chuffed, and it really, really would, but as thanks, we will transmigrate your iTunes nom de plume into the credit list of trailers for fake Doctor Who audiobooks produced by Who Back When. Have a poke around our bonus episodes to make more sense of that. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next classic Who review, new Who review, or <laughs> still funny, audio Who review. Cha ciao. Who back when? Doop 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 doop